Hello and welcome to episode 773 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, January 29th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning. Good morning from my new office. Congratulations on getting moved in. I'm sure the process has just begun, so you've got a lot of time uh, ahead as far as unpacking things, but uh, glad the process has moved forward. Me too. It's nice to have internet back and uh, going to get TV back right before the Super Bowl. So uh, that works out for me. And yeah, it's uh, moving sucks, but it's the worst. Uh, you know, and the good news combination of a week of working out plus a week of moving uh, heavy stuff, uh, I've dropped like over 10 pounds already this week. Hey, awesome. there you go. Right? There you go. So the, you found the benefit of moving. Mm-hmm. The one, the one benefit of packing up everything, moving it all around. Mm-hmm. So that that works. That works. Yeah, I'm like uh, 30 weeks away from being like your weight. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go down that far. I don't think I could. Let's let's be honest. Uh, you know, being built like Chris Sale and Taylor Swift, <laughs> Carl Edwards Jr. and a light post. It's, we got a good family here. We don't need to add anybody else. We all probably need to put on some weight, except for the light post. I don't know that that, they're going to change, but uh, they're kind of set in their ways, those light posts they are. But I'm glad that you moved in. I know it was a a bit of an ordeal, and it's awesome that you guys have your house. So hopefully everything continues to go well with the move. We've got some third basemen to discuss. Now, um, we did not talk on Monday. We were going to. And uh, so people were wondering, where are the third basemen? They were jonesing, man. You ever watch, uh, did you watch Chappelle's show when it was out? Oh, yeah. It was like one of my favorite uh, yeah. shows. I mean, I'm not just, surprised because, yeah, yeah, I loved it, too. They were they were Tyrone Biggums. You got me in third basement, Mr. Paul Spore. <laughs> uh, they wanted some more. So they're, they're ready. We get, you know, we, we satiated them yesterday. I, I spoke with Joe Pizapia, had a great episode there, talked about the uh, Castellanos and Marte moves and the Black Book. But it's time to get back into third base because it was uh, it was a situation where couldn't go all the way on them because I had a little bit of a time limit. And uh, we kind of left off at, at a really juicy spot, I thought. We had just gotten done talking. I think Tommy Edmond was the last one we discussed. And that was a pretty nice little cutoff at the top 20. That was actually incidental that it happened to be 20 there. Um, not necessarily a group on purpose. That's just kind of where the next cutoff is. Now we get into a group that is a really, to me, interesting group of corner infielders. And... The interesting part about this, I think, is also that most of the guys in this tier also have another position. So if you get one for your CI, you've also got a backup position for them as mm-hmm. well. So we are starting. If you want to ever follow along, it's uh, go, go to the ADP link that I'll put in the in the show notes. Move the date to January 1st, 2020, and go down to draft champions. And that's... Uh, that that's kind of going to keep you following along. Now with this one, since we're breaking it up into two parts, some things may have shifted a bit uh, with a few extra days of, of drafts. But you'll get the general point. I doubt anybody really skyrocketed up. That's going to change things greatly. So we're starting at 21 right now with Scott Kingery at 163 ADP, Justin Turner at 165, Hunter Dozier at 196, and there there is a change. Oh, JD Davis, I forgot him. 182. Uh, Ryan McMahon also right at the 196, 197 range. Brian Anderson at 236. Yandy Diaz at 243. 
and Gio Urshela at 246. So, like I mentioned there, everyone but Turner and Urshela has another position. And so... And Turner could gain one in season. That's correct. They've talked about moving him, uh, you know, playing him at some second base. And so that'd be... That'd actually be great, by the way, because second base sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we would love to see that. And I think that makes this... You got to be careful not to target these guys as your corner because you could lose them to somebody else slotting them in the outfield or putting McMahon at second base or middle, you know, or, you know, yeah, most of them are outfield and then McMahon has second base as well. So at first blush, based on their prices, who do you like most in this group here? Oh, I think it's definitely J.D. Davis. Okay. Uh, Outfield eligibility, uh, exit velocity in the 90th percentile. Uh, Ex-Woba, 92nd percentile. Hard hit percentage, 91st percentile. Uh, Ex-Batting average, 97th percentile. Uh, showing that what he did last year was fairly legitimate. Uh, I know the projections aren't great for him. And I think part of that obviously comes from where does the playing time come from, uh, especially if Mets players are healthy-ish. Sure. But when are Mets players healthy-ish? And when does any team... You know, yeah. obviously the Mets in LOL Mets, but you know most teams don't make it through the season without uh, needing to finagle some guys. And the fact that Davis can play multiple spots also helps. Now he's penciled in as the starting right fielder without a platoon either. You know, one of the things that kind of uh, stunted left fielder, him right? uh, left fielder. I say right. Pardon me, yeah. left fielder. One of the things that kind of stunted JD Davis coming up was that he was looking like a short side platoon guy. And then you mentioned that not only did he go off last year, but absolute stat cast darling. Mm-hmm. It, it, it loved what he did, and he's become a big favorite for folks in this late 100s range because he's, he's kind of ranging in the 160s to 190s with that, uh, with that average draft of a, a 182. He's, he's gone as high as 152, which I don't even find egregious, to be honest. No, that would, not at all. And in fact, that would only put him above Kingery. It wouldn't even put him into the next tier because – between Edmund and Kingery, it's 134 to 162. So he would just move to the top of this tier, which is fine. And he's gone as low as 218. If I get J.D. Davis outside the top 200s, I'm doing backflips. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would just be incredible. So I think he should. Defense is a problem, but kind of hide him out in left field. And if he's hitting anywhere near what he did in 2019, that's going to more than make up for mediocre to bad defense. Mm-hmm. So... You look at the projections, you mentioned that they're not that that great because his previous samples are are wholly uninspiring. It's about what is it like, you know, 180 plate appearances spread over two seasons of nothingness. It's hard to really give those any credence. We definitely think he's beating the projections, which for those that don't know, Steamer has him for 21 homers and a 790 OPS. He hit 22 with an 895 in 2019. So where do you put JD Davis numbers wise? What what do you what are you looking for as a projection? Um that's a good question. I, I think he is probably a two seventy hitter with twenty five to twenty eight home runs. Okay. Uh I just I just can't imagine 
especially with the guys they have in the outfield in uh, uh, in New York, uh, Nimmo and Conforto and Cespedes, that they're going to be able to stay healthy the whole year. And so I think he will find his way into 500 plate appearances. Uh, and, I mean, the StatCast data is pretty compelling in terms of, you know, what he, you know, what's kind of behind uh, the power surge we saw last year. Uh, I mean, not only was he uh, just crushing the ball, he barreled it uh, quite a bit, raised his launch angle. And I think if he raised his launch angle, even just another tick to make it more uh, closer to league average, we're talking about a guy that is a, yeah, a 25 plus, maybe even 30 home run hitter. Yeah, it's hard not to think that J.D. Davis isn't a 30 homer candidate if he gets that full playing time. And again, you know, at roster resource, got him penciled in for the left field job with no platoon. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, Dom Smith could complicate it a little bit. He's kind of an outfield first base. Obviously, he's not going to knock uh, Pete Alonso out of the lineup, except, you know, maybe four times in the year, just random off days for Alonso. Yeah. So the way Dom Smith's going to have to play is probably the outfield. Love Conforto. Health has never been his number one thing. And um, and with Nimmo, if if his produ- if his health and production weren't there, I think Conforto would go to the center, which would be challenging mm-hmm. on their already bad defense. But I think Davis would still find himself in the lineup. So I love that the projections are light on him. It is what's keeping the price down, I think, because nowhere really sees Davis pushing 550 to 600 plate appearances. But you can buy him at this fair price here and have the upside of a full season, which could deliver 30 homers. So we like J.D. Davis for sure. Um, who else do you like here? And then I'll, I'll get into a couple that I like. Who's, who's kind of your number two out of this group? Well, th- this is hard because there's like three guys. I Well, God, there's more than three guys in the rest of this tier that uh, I really like. Uh, I'm going to go with Ryan McMahon, though. Okay, uh, I would have I, I would have picked him anyway, so he was going to get discussed. So okay. let, let's talk Ryan McMahon here. I think he's going to have that uh, that second base job to start the year. Uh, hit 22 home runs in 453 plate appearances last night or last season. Uh, hit 307. Now, obviously, super inflated BABIP. Uh, so though that that kind of thing can happen in. Wait, the, uh, you're talking about his. Those are his course field numbers because he had 24 homers oh, with a 250. You know what? I still had uh, JD Davis. Oh, okay. Up. So <laughs> I hit 250, 232 Babbitt. So obviously, uh, definitely not super inflated Babbitt. But I think he could probably maintain those numbers. And with a full uh, season of plate appearances, uh, we're talking about a guy who's hitting closer to 30 home runs uh, and hitting in a fairly decent part of that lineup, especially if the Rockies end up trading Arenado. Oh, yeah, uh, that that would definitely help uh, McMahon push up. I mean, obviously, it would take away, you know, a great piece of their lineup, but mm-hmm. for volume and, and things like that, it would help somebody like McMahon. Yeah, so, I mean, he would move up the lineup uh, in terms of uh, where he's hitting, uh, but also just kind of concrete his everyday playing time. Uh, not that I think he's going to sit super often though i mean garrett hansen's got to find some place to play in this team and it's probably just as a super utility type guy i feel like i feel like it should be the outfield 
Yeah, it probably should be center. Uh, like and then David put Dahl on laugh. Yeah, well, I'm Dahl, I mean, he's, you know, brittle. Uh, and probably I know should that be would... playing every day in center field where he could eat much eas- more easily get hurt than in left. That, that is where he got hurt last year. That would undercut a, a favorite of some folks in Sam Hilliard, and I understand that mm-hmm. um, for Garrett Hampson there. You know, Daniel Murphy, we'll see if he can stay healthy because mm-hmm. I, I think he can be good if he's healthy. But if but if he does struggle again to stay on the field, McMahon can go to first, and then that opens up second for Hampson. It is still a little bit of a cluster, though, with McMahon, Hampson, and Hilliard. There are three young guys there um, making it difficult to really feel confident in them. That's why you see McMahon down here. That and McMahon's numbers weren't off the charts. I mean, a guy living in Coors uh, only hit 250 on the season, but the 24-83 with the homers and ribbies, pretty nice. And he did hit 270 at home, which is better. Uh, he had a stark home road split, as obviously a lot of mm-hmm. Coors field guys do. Double-digit walk rate. I, see, I love that on on McMahon for sure, mm-hmm. and I do think he can he can boost that batting average up, uh, particularly at home, and that that can cover him on the road. So I like McMahon a lot as well. And I don't think that the price has gone out of bounds. So some somewhere here in this again 150 to 200 range, I find myself comfortable with that, especially if I'm putting McMahon at like middle because he has that second base eligibility. So that's a good call out. I want to talk a little bit about Scott Kingery. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm I'm buying in again on on Kingery this year. Remember, he had the first year in '18, he signed the deal that, uh, that that locked in his playing time, and and folks were very excited coming off of a massive minor league season, and he completely flopped. I think even if you didn't believe in Kingery, you didn't quite see that level of uh, of of uh, poor performance. He had 61 WRC plus. That was tough. Last year, he rebounded quite a bit. Uh, he was up to 101, so it's a nice 40-point jump. But that's still obviously just league average. A little bit better fantasy than than reality, though, because 19 homers and 15 steals, you like to see that, that from Kingery. I think to if you're really going to convince yourself that there's like a massive breakout coming, you have to explain how you know where the improvement's going to come against righties because that's what's going to drive it for Kingery. I'm not sure that that's going to happen, but I'll take 600 plate appearances of of what we got last year, to be quite honest. And I think that's something that we could be looking at from Kingery. So I'm not even necessarily buying on on this idea that he's going to get markedly better. Just give me full volume, you know, ideally stays healthy of, of what he did last year. And I think I'm getting about 20, 22, 20 as far as the homers and steals from Kingery with a passable 258 average and uh, a decent runs count because a lot of the time he spends at the uh, at the top of the lineup. Although with McCutcheon back, that will be compromised. So I don't want to let, let, let me amend that. That's that's unlikely. I would think he's actually going to be in the five to seven range. But I like Scott Kingery, another guy with an extra position. He's got the outfield, which you can finagle, and so. If you've got a couple of the earlier third basemen, but you still want Kingery, you can put him as your fourth outfielder, and I think that that's a good fit. So I'm still in here. He's 26 years old. I don't think we've seen the absolute best of him if he can improve against righties, but I don't even need that for this pick to be successful. What do you think of Scott Kingery? Ooh, I like the idea of Scott Kingery more than actually drafting him. 
<laughs> so we have we always have guys like that, right? Where we're just like, oh, that sounds great, but yeah, no. uh, you know, this is a team that I think really wants to win, <laughs> and they should uh, have gotten some pitching. Then I know oh, yeah. more. Let me say more pitching. They got they got Zach Wheeler, but. I don't know if I told you this, by the way. All your uh, news about getting a house, I didn't want to overshadow it. Mm-hmm. But I'm the third man in the Phillies bullpen this year. So I got I had some big news happen to me, too. So congrats on your house, but I'm actually the third man behind Hector Neris and Sir Anthony Dominguez. So that's kind of well, cool, too. They, they saw the Carl Edwards Jr.-esque frame, exactly. and we were like, we, we got to go get this guy. So they, they thought they, thought they some saw big, the extension. Bingo. Bingo. So, uh, But for real, like it's so bad. It's mm-hmm. so bad. Now, I know... Did you see the news on our boy Nick Pavetta yesterday? Yeah. Let's let's buy back in on that. But here's the thing. Even if that comes to fruition, that's only a third guy, and he might even be a starter because Velasquez probably belongs in the bullpen. What I, I just as far as this team overall, and I know we're talking about Kingery here, but I can't get in on them as far as being great because of that bullpen. That doesn't necessarily impact Kingery and the offense. But I feel like they're still going to come up short as far as their their overall goals here, despite two good moves. I like the Gregorius and the Wheeler moves. I thought they were both mm-hmm. plus moves for them. But uh, anyway, sorry to get sidetracked on that. I'm just nervous about this ball club pitching-wise. Yeah, I'm nervous about it too, though I will say that the addition of Gregorius and then Kingery playing every day uh, at third, both guys are, you know— pretty good defenders uh kingery 80th percentile and outs above average on stat cast nice. uh gregorius you know has always been known as a kind of a, a glove first guy and that's why it was so surprising when he started putting together the offensive uh season in new york that he did before getting hurt uh, my only issue with kingery becomes if he struggles offensively how long will they let him do that uh, they have Josh Harrison uh, that they picked up as a free agent uh, in uh, November. They've got Alex Baum uh, in the minor leagues. Alec. Uh, sorry, Alec, Alec Baum. Um, so I just I worry if he goes through an extended slump that that's the that then he could revert back to being a utility guy uh, on this offense, which will still obviously have value. I just don't know if I'm willing to buy in yet on like the 630 plate appearances that sure. we have down at depth chart. I'm much more in line with like Ariel Cohen's ATC projections. And probably I feel like that's even a bit bullish uh, 572. I, I would probably project him to do almost exactly what he did last year, uh, but take away some batting average. Uh, because I think he's probably more of a 240, 245 type hitters, like the projections uh, kind of spell out for him. His stat cast data is not great. Um, it's mostly light blue, which isn't what you necessarily no. want to see. He doesn't walk, which makes it hard for him to move himself up the lineup, especially with an almost 30% strikeout rate last year. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, we had so much promise for him uh, and coming in, you know, into his rookie campaign. You know, we still have his uh, his prospect report up on the top of the page on Fangraphs. You know, and he had a you know a sixty you know grade hit tool uh, ceiling uh, or or future projected. 
I don't think he's that kind of player. And I think he'll offer some power and some speed, and he's going cheap enough where he's worth taking that shot. But I think there's also maybe a floor that isn't super safe uh, that could be a little bit scary for playing in deeper formats. I think he's a perfect guy for like a 12-team league. Uh, because if he doesn't play, you go ahead and drop him. If you know if something happens and you, you move on to the next guy, but like in a fifteen-team league or NL only, where I'm really relying on him, I'm probably going to stay away. Okay. Yeah, I mean, one thing I like about King Green, actually, this whole group here, is the downside feels like it's in the price. Mm-hmm. Like King Green has not been heliumed up based off of his 19, I mean, nor should he. Like, it's not like it was some eye-popping season. But again, I'll take 19 and 15. I don't think that that's too bad. Now, he was 28th at third base on the uh, player Raider last year. This is going to include several guys who do not qualify at third base as well. Uh, J.D. Davis was 27th for contact, by the way. So, yeah, I'm I'm cool with with all that. I understand the, the concerns about Kingery, but I feel like, where I'm getting him, I've, I've kind of got that protection covered. Mm-hmm. And I'm not putting him as my primary third baseman. I'm not putting him as a major outfielder. You know, I think I feel like the, my top three outfielders are like my major guys. And then my four or five, I've got some flexibility if things don't quite work out. Um, He's also either triple or quadruple eligible in some formats. Correct, because... Uh, 10, 10 on games how- at second and 16 games at short. Yes, so if you have the 10-plus games, that does add to Kingery, and I do love positional flexibility. So mm-hmm. your league rules that we go by here are 15-team 15, 15 roto, 20-game played is, is kind of the basis for that. But uh, I agree that Kingery does get a boost in those leagues, and I don't think you have to pay extra for it. I think, I think he probably is going the, about similarly in those types of leagues, which is, again, an ADP of about 163. I also want to talk about Justin Turner because it, he was asked about in the first one. Um, I think people assumed that he would have been in those first few groups. But Justin Turner's down at a 165 ADP right now. Coming off, I mean, it, it's, been, it's another injury-shortened season, but it was excellent. 290, 372, 509, 27 homers, 67 ribbies, and 80 runs in those 549 plate appearances. And... I think any negative that you have about him, the two main are going to, of course, be age going into his age 35 season and health. They're both covered by the price. I can't really I, I can't further ding him for that. You know, I would push back on anybody that wanted to use those against him when they're already factored in. And he was the 20th third baseman last year, according to player Raider. Why is he going so low? I, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. It really uh, doesn't. Because I didn't realize until you said all that, like how great of a season he actually had. Like, I mean, 27 home runs, 80 runs scored, 290, 372, 509 triple slash in 135 games. Like that's uh, that's brilliant. And like we said, a guy that uh, is open to a position change and his wife has co-signed that. That was so funny, by the way. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Um, uh, as a person with a uh, funny wife, I, I, I really, I really, you I really could relate that. to that. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was very y'all mm-hmm. uh, when when I saw that. But yeah, dude, like, is it just the 
the basic ageism ages ageism exactly that's exactly I it, where i was going I it's a combo of ageism and uh and injury history i mean sure. I, I totally understand people being scared he hasn't played a hundred more than 135 games uh in you know since 2016 and really that's the only time, 2016, where he's played more than 135 games. Correct. So I get people being upset, but you got a full season's worth of numbers in 135 games, and then there was replacement value. Yeah, you still had, mm-hmm. you know, 25 or so games that you could that you could replace there uh, for Justin Turner. I, I think it's crazy. I, I, I'm I'm here for it. I'm definitely buying shares now. For me, this is not even a guy I dislike that I'm going to compare him against. And I think we actually um, debated him a while ago. I don't know if it was you or somebody else where I was like, even if he kind of just falls off a bit. Eduardo Escobar, we talked about him. Not mm-hmm. in the previous episode, but I'm talking a while back. And I was like, yeah, he might fall off to be kind of back to what he was in 18, but that's fine. But I don't know how he's going 30 picks higher yeah. than Turner. It doesn't make any sense, especially considering when Turner is healthy, he's going to play every day. Guaranteed. And, and, and be in the heart of the lineup, yeah, not, like, not down at the bottom. Yeah, and, and it's a great team. I mean, arguably one of the best offenses in all of baseball. So, uh, And, you know, they're not playing the Astros, so no chance that, you know, there's going to be any uh, malfeasance there. Um I just yeah, hitting projected to hit third in this lineup in between Muncie and Ballinger. Like Oh my god. Like he's a monster and like yeah, I mean outside of Will Smith, pretty much the only full time righty on this team. So he's obviously gonna bat kind of, you know, second, third uh in this order. Uh yeah, I think you like he should be on all of my teams. I don't think I even have a share yet. Uh but yeah, I, he's definitely going to be a guy I target uh, late. I may and, like him now. I, I think you've kind of turned me around on him in this group because I think I like him the most out of everybody left. And we'll reiterate something that we we commonly discuss with regards to you specifically and your 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 setups. Um, you're not afraid of like the Joey Gallo types up front, and mm-hmm. you supplement them with a Turner here. Mm-hmm. At, at this point in the draft, I mean, even his high end is 143. Even that is lower than Eduardo Escobar's ADP. So if you're getting Justin Turner in the ninth, 10th round, sign me up, dude. Sign me up all the way. Well, so especially that, a guy like this, you can pair with like a Malik Smith later. Yes. And all it, of a sudden you've gotten your power and average in Turner and then your speed. And uh, maybe average. Like probably yeah. not, but maybe Malik Smith hits for some batting average that was not present last year, but was present two years ago. And I mean, Malik says, yeah, I mean, Malik's is going to play. <laughs> He's going to probably yep. hit towards the top of that lineup. And uh, even with the crappy average, you know, there's uh, every the, Malik Smith is like the dude. Everybody is shitting on this year. <laughs> like every podcast you listen to and all everybody does is shit on Malik Smith. Same. You know, yeah, two, I, I'm, I'm part of that. Yeah, two, two straight seasons with 40-plus uh, stolen bases. Uh, I mean, and we're talking about a guy who 
even when he was a part-time player before, you know, getting full-time run finally in 2018, he was still stealing 16 bases a year yeah. at, in the majors. Like, he's going to steal, even if he sucks. Now, cause... okay, y- you need to do some team construction, right, to plan for that batting average. So that's definitely mm-hmm. part of it. Sure, but that's but why... Do you want... Like... Go ahead. I, I was going to say, do you want to guess... Where he finished among outfielders with a 227 average and an MLB best 46 stolen bases from Alex Smith last year. Uh, where he finished among outfielders, I'm going to yeah. say 32nd. Oh my God, you almost nailed it. 38th. Yeah. I thought you'd like, say lower. No, the speed is super helpful. Remember when Billy Hamilton was like stealing 50 bases and. He was like top 25. Yeah. And Mike Potors or one Towers. Uh, uh, because he took him in like the second round. Now he overpaid, but he crushed everybody in stolen bases. Like, yeah. uh, it just like I understand people don't like the rabbits because there is obviously uh, some risk. You know, they get hurt. Uh, you know, they underperform in that one category that you're drafting them for, and all of a sudden they've become a useless player. Uh, there's a reason why a guy like Malik Smith. Uh, was going like I think inside like the top 150, top 140 last year. Yeah, uh, and it's because he has the ability to win you a category, and it's the hardest category to find. You know, large numbers. You can find pockets of stolen bases after 150, but Malik Smith is the dude who can give you a, like a whole heapful of of stolen bases. So I I understand why people hate him, but. He, he he's a part of a puzzle. And if you have the other pieces already, when you get to that point, he could become a very important part of the puzzle. It's true. And he's inching back up. He's at 151 on average draft position with a high of 115. So I think folks are starting to see where stolen bases come out. And they're like, you know what? Maybe I will take that Malik Smith gamble. I personally won't, but uh, I understand it. And, I'm a little bit eye-opened on the uh, on the value there that he was a top 40 outfielder despite being so disastrous in virtually every other category. 70 runs isn't the end of the world, but, you know, six homers, 37 ribbies, and a 227 average, but 46 stolen bases, man. That led baseball. So you can pair him with guys in this tier, including Justin Turner. Now, we haven't talked about Hunter Dozier, Yandy Diaz, Brian Anderson, and Gio Urshela. Who's your favorite of that little quartet? Uh, I think it's Dozier. Okay, you know, Love him too. another one of those stat cast guys, uh, they're going to move him over to first uh, base full time with Franco being signed there. Uh, I mean, definitely slowed down. I mean, he, he started off pretty hot um, and, uh, and and slowed down a little bit, but still hit for power. Um, and I just... I think that he's uh, kind of a legit guy that people are underrating because he was a prospect that took a really long time to turn out, and then he's in Kansas City, which is a bad ballpark and a bad team. Uh, But they've got some interesting pieces in that offense. Like, the pitching Mm -hmm. staff is is atrocious. Uh, But the the top of that lineup is is not bad. Yeah, and if he's going to be knocking in those runs, like, like, why can't he hit – another 20 what he hit 28 home runs 26 home runs like why can't he hit 26 home runs and drive in 85 runs again like i i don't think that there's any reason to think he can't do that I and i feel like he's pretty safe i i agree with all that I, I think that's a that's a good outlook there on hunter dozier and i agree with your interest in him 
And I do think that the, his team context hides him a little bit and pushes him down the board because yeah, he had some yeah, he had some fall off after the big April, but he also uh, rebounded within that. Mm-hmm. Like he had the awful June that included an injury, so he had a 719 OPS that month, uh, but only played nine games. So it was just kind of a washout month. Was okay in July, but then big again in August and decent in September. So he finished pretty well. 899 OPS in the first half for Hunter Dozier, 843 in the second. I'll I'll take him. And, you know, one of the things I highlighted last year with him that didn't actually come to fruition, but I think still kind of exists in his profile, is I think he could give you a sneaky 8 to 10 stolen bases. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, it it didn't quite, quite come out last year. But he's not a slow guy for being like a power corner type. You don't really associate him with speed. But I think we could still see some of the the sneak contributions as far as stolen bases go. And that's just supplemental value. You don't have to draft Hunter Dozier for that. 80, 80th percentile in sprint speed last year. That, that's what I'm saying. That's and, and his home to first times aren't too bad either. So we'll see. Again, you don't plan for it, but you could get those 8 to 10, which are nice. Ta- it's a nice tack on to the power profile. Um, I like Gio Urshela. I really uh, turned around on him last year. I was actually in on him as a prospect back with Cleveland mm-hmm. many, many, many moons ago, and that clearly was a flop. And uh, I'd forgotten about him. I, I, I cannot pretend that I stuck with him and you know joined in on this uh, Yankees thing. Actually, I did have him in the main event, although he was on my bench a lot. I didn't really have a spot for him. I kind of kept watching him put up great week after great week, but I never really had a great spot for him. But... Um, yeah, I like I like what Gio Urshela did, and I think there's some viability to it. Even if you kind of, you know, regress the power a bit, he, he should play quite a bit. He's such a better defender at third base than Miguel Andahar could ever hope to be. That I I hope that alone <laughs> helps him defensively as far as getting the playing time. Now he's not you know Gold he's, Glove. He's a bad defensive third baseman, but he's still far and above. <laughs> Uh, what Andar can be. That, that exactly what yeah. I was about to say was, yeah, I don't want to overstate what he does, but it's in comparison to Andahar that makes him look like a god. And mm-hmm. uh, he ended up with zero outs above average, you know, so he's just like straight up average there. Um, and then I think like minus four on the on the defensive run save, which isn't the end of the world. You know, he's going to make some plays. He's going to uh, mm-hmm. not make some, but. Not not killing you at the hot corner there, Gio Urshela. And I like a guy who develops some power and doesn't strike out. I'm always a sucker for those types. And he has an 18% strikeout rate while smashing the ball. He added five miles to his exit velo last year. And um, his XBA was 294, so they liked a lot of what he was doing there. I love the hard hit rate. And so I'm in on Urshela. It's It's... I think it's like Dozier with a little bit of extra batting average and fewer homers. Like so, they're they're pretty similar. You can kind of take either or depending on what you need a little bit more of. Do you want a guy who could maybe push the thirty homers? Take Dozier. Do you want to supplement your batting average and get kind of a um, poor man's Justin Turner? Take Urshela. So I'm not too worried about his playing time because I think even his mediocre defense helps guarantee him the time over Andahar. Yeah, I think. I am a little worried about his playing time, especially if we see uh, him take a step back in terms of that exit velocity uh, and kind of what we saw in terms of the batting average. I mean, it came out of nowhere 
I mean, this is a guy who had been left for dead. I mean, he'd been on a bunch of teams. I, I think yeah. it shows Cleveland, Toronto, and the Yankees, but I think he was a guy who filtered through a couple clubs as, like, a minor leaguer or just, you know, getting waived by them before he ever played for them. I, I, I believe that's the case with Urshela. But at the same time, you're still talking about a 28-year-old. It's not like he's been around yeah. forever. And while it did come out of nowhere, what about it doesn't add up? It's just a huge jump in uh, sure. in exit velocity. Uh, I mean, he's not a guy who barrels the ball uh, in extreme amount. He's, I believe, got a below average... Oh, no, a little bit above average barrel rate. So, uh, it's, I don't know. It's just, I'm just skeptical that the Yankees won't try to get Andy Irish bat in the lineup at third base because it, it's very difficult to find, like, where's where's Andy R going to play? Like, you know, there was a repart. Well, I mean, that Deep. moves Stanton back into the outfield. So, who are yeah. you sitting? Talkman. Talkman. Man. I like Talkman, but come I on. I like Talkman too, but I think I'd rather have Talkman's bat than Urshela's. But but what who do you want at third base? Yeah. Doesn't Andahar's awful defense kind of offset? You know, currently yeah. we have uh, roster resource has Andahar on the bench, and you know they're they're a guy heavy. That's too good of a bat to leave on the bench. But I think Talkman and Andahar are the ones that are kind of fine. I'm not here to say Urshela's getting. 600 plate appearances but i think i can comfortably buy 500 at this point and he did what he did in 476 last year so i don't i don't need a major increase if i get 500 to 525 at the uh at the 246 adp i mean when you're when you're in the 200s you're buying guys that aren't Mm -hmm. 600 plate appearance guys anyway in fact if you happen to buy some guys who do get 600 plus that's a boon but you don't need it to justify the pick, is what I'm saying. So I I, I hear you it's because Andahar. It's such ahead. a weird profile, Urshelis. Like you look into like some of the underlying numbers and you go, oh wow. I mean, like I mean, I knew he doesn't. You know, wasn't a guy who struck out a ton. 18% strikeout rate last year is uh, pretty awesome, especially when you see he's got a 42% O swing uh, percentage. Wow. So he, he he makes, makes a ton contact. of contact outside of the zone. He knows what's like, up. Like he makes almost as much contact outside of the zone as he does inside of the zone. He it, ain't scared. He ain't scared if you throw balls at him. Yeah, it's like, I mean, he's he's like Vlad Guerrero esque. I wonder if he could, you know, maybe chill on that a little bit and improve his walks. I'd like to see mm-hmm. Urshela's performance on those those batted balls outside the zone. Is he making contact? Sure, but it's but it's not great contact, and yeah. thus maybe dial up the patience a little bit, and you could really turn things. And then you up start that seeing way. that barrel rate going up because he's not, you know, making contact with poor pitches. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna stay away, uh, just because I'm a, I'm a bit afraid of uh, the Yankees sitting him if he goes through a cold streak and, and trying to fit Andohar. Because I know they talk about trying Andohar out at different at first, positions yeah. at first. I think in the outfield, too, I want to say. I saw. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. I believe that, uh, that was discussed. 
which seems weird, uh, but they're, they're doing whatever they can to try to get him in the lineup. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm skeptical that we're going to see a repeat from, from Rochella. So I, I had him on a number of teams last year, picked him up off the waiver wire, uh, enjoyed the production, but I'm not tied to him, especially with the other guys in this tier, even some of the guys in the next tier. Sure. Um, I actually do want to go ahead and say something about everybody in this tier then. So let's talk Andy Diaz, Brian Anderson. Of those two, who do you want? Who do you want to highlight? Who's your favorite? And I'll take the other one. I mean, I guess it's Yandy Diaz. Okay, good. I wanted Brian Anderson anyway. I mean, I'm not super enthused by either of these guys necessarily. I mean, Diaz has the biceps <laughs> to he make, make any fantasy player swoon. That's uh, true. <laughs> and you know, I feel like we've said this every year. It's like if he could just lift the ball that amazing exit velocity would come into play. I mean, he's got 92% exit velocity, 82% hard hit percentage. I mean, he uh, drove it up nine nine points last year, but it really seemed to come at the expense more of his line drive rate than anything else because he was still on the ground 51% of the time compared to 53 uh, for his career for Yandy Diaz. So it's not like... His angle is still 5.7%. Exactly. It wasn't like a total this. transformation but he still smacked the shit out of the ball, yeah. um, but only 14 homers. So, and then there's of course the playing time chicanery That's that that issue. happens with the uh, with the Rays. Now, again, I want to be careful not to go too far on stuff that's built into the price already. And I think at 243, that is covered into the price. But you still have to understand that you're getting a guy who it's going to be really difficult to count on major playing time from because. He sucks defensively as well, Yandy Diaz does. So what yeah, do you there expect? There were some injury issues last year, right? Correct, correct. He played um, just 79 games, and he's never played more than – I mean, that was career high. Those were career yeah. highs last year, everything that he did pretty much. So what are you expecting out of out of him as playing time? Like what If you buy Yandy Diaz at this 243 uh, ADP, what do you think you're getting? Not, what are you hoping for? What do you think you're getting? Your, 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 your brain, not your heart. I think the ATC projection is pretty good. Uh, 17 home runs, 272 batting average, uh, 68 run score, 58 RBI. I think that that seems about right. Like, I don't understand depth chart steamer uh, giving him 580-plus plate appearances, and he's taking a step back in home runs. Like, I'm not going to project him to take a huge leap forward, but I'm not like he's he's got enough power in that bat that he'll hit some line, a bunch of line drive home runs if he's given full run. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he if somehow Diaz did just get installed at third base and and maybe play DH against lefties and, and did finagle 550 plus on the plate appearances, mm-hmm. I don't know how you would push the home run total down and that's what they've done steamer has gone from the 14 he hit last year to 13 despite 240 more plate appearances that is that is a little wonky now i yeah. agree with you on that i mean right now roster resource has him playing every day full hit and third day. yeah no uh no platoon with him now i don't buy that i don't either but that is what they've got right now i think they still like to see joey wendell get in a bit and they will uh that he will find his way in there 
versus some righties with the uh, sitting. But uh, overall, on the on the Rays, with Meadows being really the only guy, and I think Renfro to a decent degree, because they, they went and traded for him, and they like his, uh, the defense was improved. Probably Adamus. I think those are the three. Mm-hmm. That you could, well, Kiermaier, health is the issue. With well, yeah, yeah, health is the issue, not not getting mm-hmm. platooned. But what are you doing with basically the rest of that group as far as the playing time? Do you think it's already fairly built into their prices, and so you would still take them, or do you are you trying to avoid Tampa Bay as some folks are? I think I'm avoiding all the first base DH types. Okay, so, so G-Man Choi, yeah. Yoshi Suzuka. Uh, but that would include Yandy Diaz, I think. Even though he's yeah. in that third base, he he's part of that. Yeah, I, I'm that staying cluster. away from him, too. I think uh, Brandon Lau is probably good enough defensively that even if he should be platooned at times, they may just keep him in for the defense. Yeah. So I think he probably uh, can still get the 600 plate appearances, and right now we have him leading off. I like uh, him a lot. I, I like him as like a really cheap second baseman in a uh, second base position that, like we've talked about, is probably the most shallow non-catcher position. I mean, he's currently going off the board at 196. I'm I'm so here for that, dude. Yeah, I, I really dug what he did last year. I was so bummed when he got hurt because he was putting mm-hmm. together a really really nice year. He still ended up with 17 and five with a 270 average. He kind of outran his his big strikeout issue. If he tamps that down a little bit, then we could really even see um, a more bankable batting average and, and maybe even push it up. But I'd take another 270 at this point. So, yeah, I feel you on pretty much everything you've said about, about the Rays here, including not really loving Andy Diaz. I want to talk a little bit about the other guy in Florida then, Brian Anderson. I'm actually kind of in on him because uh, I think he's quietly pretty darn solid. And I think... Um, I, I tabbed Urshela as like a poor man's Justin Turner. I think there's some of that with Brian Anderson as well. And uh, we haven't quite seen the batting average soar. It's been 267 for his career, and it was 261 this past year. But I think there's a, a bit more upside in what Brian Anderson can do as a uh, as a batting average asset while still tapping into even more power or, or, or adding volume, I should say. I don't know that he's going to improve on the 207 ISO, but if he does that over a full season, I think we're starting to look at 25-plus home runs, possibly with a 275-something average. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have a great strikeout rate of 22%, but it's also not egregious. Strikes the ball pretty decently, can take his walks, and could add some uh, some eligibility as well. Actually, never mind. He already has third. Uh, yeah. He already has third in outfield. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry about that. He has the two positions already, which I do like. But one thing I do like, and I, we've kind of briefly hinted at this throughout their their moves. This this lineup isn't super embarrassing anymore. So mm-hmm. being in the middle, I think his counting categories could be halfway decent as well with VR, uh, Dickerson, Aguilar joining the fray for Brian Anderson. So I kind of like him, and I, I you know not expensive at all. Uh, Two thirty. Five uh, two thirty six ADP. Sign me up for Brian Anderson. It's it's a bland pick. Nobody's gonna do backflips when I do it or get angry at me for taking him. But I'm here. Yeah, I think he's kind of like a poor man's Mitch Haniger. 
His balls are intact, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was going to leave that one alone. <laughs> but, you know, a guy who's going to hit 20, you know, 20 to 25 home runs and steal just a handful of bases. And, yeah. Uh, like, I think he is, like, kind of a perfect glue guy for, like, as a fourth outfielder. Yep. I fully uh, agree with that. Or, or your corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as long as he's healthy and, I mean, he hit 20 and stole five in just 126 games last year. So if we can, obviously we're not going to prorate that over a full year, but I mean, I think the ATZ projections are pretty good on him. 23 home runs, five stolen bases, 267 batting average, Uh, you know, pretty much, you know, 70 and 70 in terms of runs RBIs. Like that's, that's a pretty decent projection. And let's not forget, too, the Marlins have changed the, the dimensions of that outfield. Yes, they have. Uh, to kind of help increase offense a little bit because they have so much pitching. Uh, that could be very beneficial. We don't know exactly how it's going to play, but uh, it should play a little bit better for him. So it's not a bad pick. And there's he's obviously you know going to be turning 27 this year, so potentially still a little room for growth, uh, you know, Good hard hit percentage, 86 percentile, uh, above average exit velocity. I don't think he'll be a batting average. Like, I don't see any batting average uh, growth or anything, but potential, especially if the ball's juiced again, uh, potential, like, power growth. I, 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 I would take that. In the realm. Yeah. yeah, Brian Anderson, just uh, solid. Not, not, mm-hmm. uh, not, not making your team a league winner, but certainly helping. All right, so we talked about that entire tier. We're not going to be able to do that for the rest of the, these last two tiers, or else we'll be here forever. And that's a good thing because we don't need to. Yeah, uh, I couldn't really name this group. I, I literally just smashed the keys <laughs> and it happened to type ASDF, and I was going to change it. Like, no, just leave it. This is the tier because mm-hmm. I don't know. And uh, again, once we get to the this tier, and then the, the boring vets, the the ADPs are kind of overlapping. It's not a straight ADP breakdown here. In fact. This first guy, John Birdie, would actually fit ADP-wise into the other group there. But because of those moves that they've made, his playing mm-hmm. time is supremely compromised right now. So I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about him. And he was somebody I was really buying into before those moves. But he's at – John Birdie is at uh, 239 ADP. Then we have David Fletcher at uh, 312. Hanser Alberto at 364. Jake Lamb is 475 Alec Baum who you mentioned earlier 452 Heimer Candelario hey winter league MVP baby 510 <laughs> Cabrian Hayes prospect out of uh, out of Pittsburgh at 531 uh, I'm not, I don't really we don't need the ADPs on these guys they're so far down yeah. David Bodie Joey Wendell and Ty France all right so first things first obviously Bernie really stands out here because of his ADP. Do you agree that it's going to come down, though, because right now he just has no guaranteed playing time? It was the 30, age 30, or age 29 breakout that he kind of had a nice little second half there. What are you doing now that, that his uh, his playing time's compromised? I think I'm still buying in at, on him. At, at I, this I, price? You'd still I, yeah. buy? I think you take the discount and hope for the best. I mean, this is a guy that uh, stole 17 bases in just 
287 plate appearances. That's great. Last year, even showed a little bit of pop in that time too. Uh, he's gonna be a guy who they just use as a Swiss Army knife, mm-hmm. and could find his way into 400 plate appearances that way, and probably could steal 20 plus bags uh, with that kind of playing time. So like, he's already eligible at shortstop. Uh, he he's on the third base list, but I don't have him. Oh, he he must have come in as like a pinch hitter, pinch runner at third base, and that's why he's yeah he's got he's eligible. got 20, 20 games there, even though it's only fifteen started and outfield. So he's triple mm-hmm. eligible for. John we have Burke. him as nineteen on Fangraphs. In Interesting split space. So. We got 20, uh, but he is listed at third base on NFBC. So wherever they're pulling from, they agree yeah. with that for Birdie. So, you know, take it. Uh, he could probably add second base and outfield eligibility. Uh, he's got outfield. Oh, he's got outfield as well. Yeah. Wow. So, so. But, but he could add second base, as you're saying, mm-hmm. which then would make him quadruple eligible and yeah. super util at this point. I think he's one of those guys that should be highlighted on most people's draft lists, especially if you end up uh, feeling a little bit light on speed or you just want to make sure you've got a hammer lock on that category. Uh, he's a guy that should, like, even, like, he's like Chone Figgins kind of Sean in the Figgins. No, he's Chone. <laughs> certainly should be. Yeah, no, uh, no. You know uh, who I, he's like you know that. The name he, I invoked. With John Birdie mm-hmm. was um, what Gerard Dyson and, and Rajay Davis were always able to do, despite never coming near. That full was the comp time. I was going to go with, but both were like straight up outfielders. True, like, Biggins, true. like at the, you know, after his like sixty stolen base seasons, was like a Swiss Army knife for teams. Correct. You know, playing all over the place, and I think Birdie, he's not going to unless there's an injury, and obviously injuries or underperformances by guys, especially if. Isan Diaz really, really struggles. He needs to go back down to the minors. Yep. Uh, like there, there's some paths to playing time for him. And so while, you know, I, I, while I think there's obviously some risk that he just never breaks into the lineup full time. Like Steamer's 207 plate appearance uh, projection for him. I think is super light. I think Ariel does a great job with the with the 402. I like that. I feel nails it. Eight home runs, twenty-one stolen bases, hits two fifty. Like that seems like a very, very likely outcome. And I, at, at the price he's going, plus there's upside for more. So let's say, you know, Isan Diaz just has a dreadful April, and they send him down. Like Birdie could take that job and just run with it. Yes, pun intended. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. And you know. I mentioned that the ADP is still tracking a little bit high compared, uh, considering he doesn't have a spot, but 239 is not egregious. Mm-hmm. And I love eligibility. He's got triple eligibility. I wrote up in the in the Marlins uh, deep dive piece. I was like, I still think he's a pretty safe bet for 20 SBs without a doubt. And, and you're buying the potential for 30. So at that price, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it for John Birdie. So I, I like that. Uh, everyone else in this tier is is much cheaper at that point. The expectations aren't aren't really anywhere with these guys. Who else stands out to you as somebody that you like uh, on this uh, on this grouping? 
I mean, as I that I like. Yeah, deep league, fifty round draft and hold, reserve roster. Obviously, we're we're not talking about somebody who's going to, you know, greatly change your your team's yeah. outlook, but somebody I mean, that no, you're interested in. Nobody really. I mean, I'll be honest. It's uh, Candelario is interesting because I think he's going to play. Mm-hmm. So I think that you know, I think he can accumulate. Uh, maybe fifty round draft and hold Hanser Aboruto. You, you see him going up against some lefties, and uh, you go, okay, you're gonna slot him in for the weekend series or something like that, or especially daily moves formats or DFS. Yeah, he, like he's a guy torched that, lefties last yeah, year. Yeah, he just absolutely crushes them. Uh, but I just don't see a ton else. I mean, David Fletcher is David Fletcher. Jake Lamb may not. He even is indeed take. David Fletcher. Yeah, <laughs> he's as generic as his name. Uh, Jake Lamb may not even make the opening day roster for the the Diamondbacks. Uh, keep bringing Hayes is not that interesting of a prospect. Is uh, not? I thought I thought he was. I thought he was a decent prospect. No. I think he's one of those guys that's more of a, a better life or better real life, life guy? Play, okay. player than he is a fantasy guy. I mean, he could be like, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, I want to call him Paul Newman for some reason. Um, uh, his teammate, Newman. Uh, oh, Kevin Newman. Yeah, Paul Newman, like, that's hilarious. I think he's got like Kevin Newman upside. Okay. So like it's not like he he's going to – he had a few home runs. He's going to steal a few bases, but like he's not going to win you any categories. Plus, we don't know how early they're they're looking to bring they're Brian Hayes up. Everything, so yeah. it's like which could or, work both ways, though. Saying I, I see what you're saying, so leave him down, don't start the clock. But also, we have to play somebody, so let's see what Cabrian Hayes can do. Right? It, it kind of depends on what ways. they think his long term future is. Do they True. think that this is a guy that's a stud? that they need to really save the service time on. True. Uh, or is this, I mean, my guess is they think he's a guy that is probably just a role player for them. And yeah. he probably could be up to start the year. Uh, but I mean, they still have Colin Moran uh, manning third base. So maybe they want to give Moran a shot to increase some value so they can trade him. Uh, I, I just, it's not a super exciting profile. Uh, Bodie is somewhat interesting in terms of, like, the Cubs haven't gone out and bought anybody. No, they have not. I mean, they just signed Steven Souza. Oh, well, now their season's fixed. Yeah, exactly. But that doesn't really help them where uh, where Bodie was going to be playing anyways. I mean, he's currently scheduled to be their number eight hitter, uh, you know, every day at second base. So I think in terms of uh, especially like an on-base percentage league, you could see that on-base being very, very good uh, in him kind of accumulating yeah. for you. So double-digit home runs, chipping some speed, you know, 50 runs, 50 RBIs, but like a strong... 350 on base percentage I think is in the cards for him sure you know hitting in front of the pitcher so uh but that's about it in this tier I mean I, okay. I'm, I'm over You're... Joey Wendell Ty France has no place to play um Baum has a lot of warts for being a top prospect I so. hear I hear that I hear that on on Alec Baum 
Um, I know I just mentioned, you know, that he that he got the uh, Winter League MVP, and that's not why I'm going to, <laughs> you know, uh, give a little love Homer. to Jimer Candelaria. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, dude. I uh, again, we're talking. I re- the way I really should have framed this was NLAL only, because that's really where these guys are going to have any interest or even the ability to kind of impact your team barring the one or two out of this group that maybe breaks out either via playing time or skills advancement. But I was pretty in on, on Candelario when he first came up, he did some interesting things, totally flopped in 18. There was, there was like an injury issue, like a, a clear injury cutoff where he had been looking pretty solid, got hurt, came back, was brutal from that point on. I believe it was a wrist injury for Candelario. So then I even had a little bit more love coming into 19. Well, another even worse season, 94 games. It's still going to be 26, playing time for days. I don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't fully quit him at, at age 26. And if I am in an AL only or 50-round or draft and hold, which I'm doing multiple ones of, it's obviously deep format for all these guys. We don't even really need to give that caveat. I still think there is some potential here to be like a a 250-20-70, which I know is not knocking anybody's socks off. But for what he is, I think Jimer Candelario still has still has a, a bit of upside. What what say you? I don't know how much. I mean, I think there's a little bit of upside in there. I just think he got. I think he got exposed a bit the last two seasons. He's really struggled against breaking balls. I mean, uh, he had, he had a 162 batting average against breaking balls with an, uh, X batting average of 163. Oof. Um, and those were improvements from 2018. That is tough. And in addition to that, for Candelario, he wasn't tattooing fastballs to make up. No. So I think that, you know, we can obviously say that maybe there was, uh, some injuries going on and, and that maybe that's, you know, kind of contributed to what is an atrocious looking stat cast page. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I think he's one of those guys to kind of keep an eye on in spring training. I think the problem becomes, uh, you know, they have Isaac Paredes yep. who's coming down the pike and probably will, be in Detroit at some point during the season. And this is another uh, issue like Hayes, where what do the Tigers think of Paredes? Like, do they consider him a top prospect uh, and kind of wait to hold down that service time since they're not necessarily going to be competitive this year? Or do they think he is... Wait, 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 what do you mean they're not going to be competitive this year? I, I don't know if you heard, but your team sucks. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mine too. We're, we're going to be hanging out. You know, this is the beauty of, uh, you know, this kind of seasons for us is we get to really watch a lot of other teams. Exactly. Right? So. Exactly. I, do, I don't feel bad not committing the three hours a night. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's Tigers. the fourth inning and we're down six to two. I guess I can go watch the, uh, you know, Dodgers Padres game now. Yeah. If I, so. if I didn't, if I didn't do this for a living, I'd probably still watch way too many Tigers games, mm-hmm. but considering how 
much better my time can be spent elsewhere. You know, I always check the box score. I'll still watch way too many Tigers games, but I can't give them every night. There's just no yeah. way. So, uh, no, I, I think everything you're saying there is is fair with relation to Candelario. Um, Baum, you mentioned, has a lot of warts. He's probably the best prospect of this group. Um, what about is, – it's boring, so try to stay awake. Everyone take a drink of your uh, energy drink or your coffee here because I'm going to bring him up, and just bringing him up is going to bore you. But uh, David Fletcher, the reason I bring him up is – I think his playing time could be pretty decent, depending. When Otani's not hitting, I feel like Fletcher's going to be in with Lestella at first, pools at, at DH, makes a ton of contact. Is he not a guy that maybe you specifically would be looking at with your uh, punt batting average scenario? You know, can you not get like a nice, I mean, he had 290 last year, 653 plate appearances. There's some value to that. Uh, do you have any? any love for a David Fletcher? I mean, he's interesting because he's quadruple eligible. That's also nice. Yep. We love so, that. I, I think, like, especially in draft and holds uh, or even kind of at the end of a 15-team league, you put him on your reserve list and he becomes kind of just a Swiss Army knife for your fantasy team. He was you know? 29th at the position on the player raider last year, which surprises me. Yeah. I mean, he is very, very generic, and I don't think there's any upside uh, whatsoever uh, in terms of, like, like I don't see a big power boost coming from him. No, no, no. no. He interestingly stole eight bases last year, which, yeah. you know, so you get a guy who can hit you 280 and steal, you know, six, seven, eight bases, that's not bad. He just, there's, like, literally no upside. Uh, and that that's the hard part is typically when you're getting to this point of draft, people really start wanting to reach for upside. Uh, but like I said, in, in the 50 round draft and holds, yeah, no, I think he's a, he's a nice little glue guy. Yeah. Nice. Uh, David Fletcher, because of, because of that batting average can definitely give you a little something here at the, at the back end that, uh, that maybe you're not getting elsewhere because batting average can be so difficult to find. It comes with nothing else, mm-hmm. but there is that. All right. Let's finish up with the boring vets then. And this is a, actually a much more interesting group. I probably mm-hmm. should have flipped the two because, you know, I, I, I put that other one higher because it is the younger guys. But outside of Birdie, it's really hard to get excited about any of them right now. These boring vets actually do generate a, a bit of excitement comparatively. And it starts with uh, Starlin Castro, who is uh, – 260. I'll give all the guys that are in the top 300. So it's really just the first two guys. Uh, Starling Castro, 269, which is nice. Kyle Seeger, 299. Tommy La 284. And then Travis Shaw, Matt Carpenter, Marwin Gonzalez, Michael Franco, Asdrubal Cabrera, and Evan Longoria are all 300 or later. In fact, they're all 350 or later. So, boring vets. Any of them get you, get you going at all? I like a lot of these guys. Me too. Me too. Um, Are we crazy for that? Or are we just finding some some cheap values? Yeah. I I mean, they're guys that can easily be ditched if they don't pan out. But, uh, I mean, Tommy Listella had that massive start to his season where he had 16 home runs, hit 295 in 80 games, and then just devastatingly was injured, ending his season. I love the narrative that people are like, 
Well, he's got his old manager back in town. You mean the guy that only played that him? never like, liked him? Yeah, like only played him like most 74 games. Uh, or I guess he played him 120 games in uh, in 2018. But like this one, like he, he never had 200 plate appearances in Chicago in a season. Yeah, no, he like he he did not play. So he, he just it, moved him around. If um, Matt hated him for some reason, then this is bad news. But <laughs> I'm with you. He would have been my first pick here. I kind of buy in on a lot of what he did last year. I'm not just going to extrapolate because he did play kind of that perfect half season. I'm not saying 32 homers for Tommy Listella, but I think he can hit 20 with a 290 okay. average. And that at the top of that lineup, I'm in on that. Like, I, I actually quite like Listella, if I'm being honest. And he has, um, does he have multi-eligibility right now? Yeah, second and third. He'll gain first, which doesn't do a lot because he already has corner, and I'm not going to put him at first. But you never know when yeah. the eligibility can help you. Maybe on a random Thursday or, or Monday when there's more off days, you can slot him in at first. Or, or if you doubled up, else. if if your corner ended up being a third baseman, your first baseman goes down, you know, Listella Bingo. Just, jumps right over there it's always great to have the extra eligibility yes even if you don't anticipate playing mm-hmm. them at that position so um i really i really do like Costella, and he's always been a great contact guy he was even better last year nine percent was his lowest of any season where he had nine percent strikeout rate was his lowest of any season where he had at least 125 plate appearances and uh, actually it was the lowest of his career if you do the decimal 9.3 versus 8.7 this past year and and the and the power jump, you know, there was some legitimacy behind it. Uh, so you know, there's again, also don't... some flukiness behind it too. Eighteen and a half uh, percent home run to fly ball rate. Sure, uh, likely to regress down. But ten points added to his fly ball rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, hitting the ball Twelve points a lot added harder. to his hard contact percentage. Yeah, uh, like I, I'm not saying that he was completely fluky. I think there's some regression, but I think what you said is. Exactly right. If he if he can get 500 plate appearances, I think he's gonna hit 20 home runs, probably hit 280, uh, at least. At yeah, least, I think. and and be a guy who can play in you know two to three different uh, infield spots for you. So and and on a team that should be pretty good offensively. So especially if he's leading off, like we project him to lead off. Uh, uh, you know you know, on the strong side platoon, like getting Trout, Rendon, and Otani behind you is not a bad deal. No, it's quite it's quite good, in fact. So, yeah, Lestella's our favorite here pretty easily, uh, but he's not the only one. It's, it's not where it stops. Next up for me would be Travis Shaw. I think I've kind of already mm-hmm. discussed him multiple times that I'm buying back in um, after a washout year last year. I, there, there's nothing I can say about the god-awful season that he had that I'm taking from that as a reason that I like him. It, it, it has nothing to do with his 19. That was brutal. I am heartened, as I mentioned repeatedly, by the fact that he was still excellent in AAA. So he didn't just completely forget how to hit. He still could hit at least minor leaguers. Just whatever reason, man, at the majors last year, he was horrendous. But he goes over to, uh, to, to, uh, to Toronto, should have pretty close to full-time uh, burn at first, third, and even maybe some mix in at second because they can kind of maneuver a bunch of guys around. And great park, solid lineup, at least the top half where he's going to be batting with the uh, Bichette 
Biggio, Guriel Jr. and Guerrero Jr. ahead of him, I'm in on Shaw. And I don't even think it's out of bounds that he gets back to 30 homers, which is what he did for two years in 17 and 18. I'm, I'm definitely buying back. Oh, I'm trying to find the name of someone that his season last year reminded me of. Okay. Um, he's a former Rays player. Okay. That, oh, God, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna not be able to keep describing him. Uh, he had a huge breakout year and then disappeared the next year. Um, how long ago? Uh, four or five years ago, maybe I guess longer than that. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can figure it out by just going through names. Well, anyways, um, Brad, Mil- uh, no, Brad Miller didn't it? No, I, I'm well. I mean, Brad Miller did have a 30-homer season with them. Yeah, no. So this is a guy that uh, had a huge power a power breakout one year um, and then completely kind of fell off the map. And it was he had, like, this insane launch angle. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, and what he did was he, he bought into the launch angle revolution and uh, then all of a sudden, like, the launch angle became too much. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think this, how many homers did he hit? I want to say he hit like 31 year and like nothing than, or like, like okay. four the next or something. No, that, that'll maybe, help. I, I think I can find it. You keep talking about, maybe this. it wasn't a raise player. Maybe that's the problem. Oh, well, that um, would make it difficult based on what I'm trying yeah, to do here. I, th- I thought he was a raise player, but, uh, I, I could, I could be wrong. Uh, so either way, um, he was, uh, you know, I think the same thing happened with Shaw. I think Shaw went overboard on on his launch angle, and I think it really cost him. Is it uh, Logan he, Morrison? No, it wasn't Morrison. Okay. It was like one of those pop-up guys that uh, um, just disappeared, uh, you know, after. Well, I did 25 homers as a Ray since 13, and the it – it's Miller, Souza, Corone, and Morrison are the guys that are like not Evan Longoria, Austin Meadows, and Corey Dickerson. So it might have been off of a different team. Yeah, it must have been off of a different team. I'm just way to go. Yeah, I just ruined. Now everything I want. Today. I really want to know who it is. Anyway, continue because you're still making your point about Shaw. You think he just got a little bit too into it after the back-to-back 30 home I mean, not even a little bit too into it. So Way too into it. Yeah, way too into it. So, I mean, in 2017, his launch angle was 14.5%. Uh, in 2018, it was 16.5%. And then it jumps up to 24.5%. And you just see the, the batting average. Uh, That's insane, and, by the way. Yeah, the X batting average, you know, just drop his barrel percentage. Uh, drops, you know, uh, 3%. The exit velocity has stayed very, very consistent. Uh, And a large part of that is while everybody else is getting extra uh, kind of ticks on the exit velocity, he doesn't because his launch angle is so extreme that he uh, is actually hurting himself. Pop-up city, right? In terms of, yeah, in terms of uh, barreling up the ball. Yeah, like... There is a a point of diminishing returns with fly balls, and Travis Shaw found it. He needs to get himself right, figure it out. But two great seasons in 17 and 18, washout in 19, 
every every negative about him is more than built into the price at 359 ADP. So I'm buying back in and I'm going to see what's what. If he stinks right off the rip, easy cut. I That's think we'll know pretty quick. And maybe one of those agreed. guys that we we see in spring training uh, that becomes, becomes very, very apparent. Like he's either got it or he doesn't. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. So we'll keep an eye on on him. I, frankly, I hope I hope I get some shares locked in before that because I don't want him to be like. I've a, already yeah, I've already grabbed a couple shares and some drafts yeah. and holds just to be on the. Safe he's side. like an eight homer spring training guy, and he is swinging it well. Then you know people are going to be back in on Travis Shaw. I'm pretty. Oh, I found the guy. There it Who? is. It was Ryan Schimpf. Oh, that's a good one, dude. He's. Dude, that's so funny. He's an MLB. It was a Padres, yeah. Okay, so yeah, uh, he hit, yes, he hit twenty home runs in uh, three hundred and thirty plate appearances only. Yeah, so three fifteen ISO, um, and then he tweaked his launch angle, and like he started hitting one fifty eight, and it was like, oh god, like he went super overboard. Uh, on the launch angle too, if I'm uh, remembering uh, correctly. But he was one of these guys, like he had like these huge fly ball rates, um, mm. and I was just like, at some point, some like <laughs> he had his 65% fly ball rate in 2016, uh, 64% in 2017. Uh, is an MLB the show god mm-hmm. because um, since. He is just such egregiously raw power with like a 300 ISO. His card is kind of uh, unnecessarily jacked up. In fact, they kind of messed it up at the beginning of last year where I'm telling you, he was better than some of the like diamond superstar players. He was just, it, it was something glitchy about him. He was so insane. So they fixed him. They had to lower his ratings because he was too good. He broke the game. He's still kind of a G because while he has no vision or contact, his power is insane. Like this dude, that's, that's a great name. And I, your descriptions of him outside of the Rays being the wrong Mm -hmm. part, the wrong Wrong team, everything you had. Yeah. That, that describes him perfectly. He got so in love with the, with the fly ball that, I mean, he, he flew fly balled himself out of the league. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I was concerned about because I was watching it happen and, I remember everybody buying in on it. I was like, I'm just going to stay away did, from it. Did you I'm, say his fly ball rate as a major leaguer? Yeah, but I didn't mention his infield fly ball rate, which is what <laughs> ended up crushing him because he had a 20%, almost 20% infield fly ball rate in 2017. And that's where yes. things, he just was trying to lift it so much that he would get under it or, he, uh, you know, and it'd be an infield fly ball or yep. get under it and it would just you know, stop at the warning track and he just wasn't getting to go over. Uh, he was a guy that someone should have been like, Hey, let's, he was like the opposite of Yandy Diaz. Yeah, absolutely. They need to talk and, and try yeah. to help each other out a little bit. Um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Ryan Schiff, dude. Unbelievable. Dude, baseball savant won't even let me bring up his player page because <laughs> it was so egregious. They're like, nah, dude. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you, you can't look at this right not, now. It's, not safe for work. Not not safe for any work. Uh, you can only look at it after one o'clock mm-hmm. at night, because that's that's the only time to look you, at that you kind need to of be incognito browsing. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, so Shaw, Lestella, who else you like here? Because I, th- I think there's still a couple more guys worth worth hashing it out about. I mean, I like this whole tier, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I'm like, with you. 
I'm not. I don't think that Matt Carpenter is necessarily done, but maybe the uh, the Cardinals do if they are trying to trade for uh, Arenado. Because where does that push him? Uh, I mean, I guess it pushes him to second, but then you yeah, know you're, you're taking take Wong, yeah, yeah, out of the line. Like, but where does then where does he go? He's not going to first. He's not no, replacing Goldschmidt. They got a guy there. Yeah, you're right. No, I, so, I hear you on that. Um, I think it lends more to what you were saying about maybe they're thinking that this is kind of the end of the road. And, yeah. But so maybe I mean, that should be the reason why uh, we, we back off on a guy like Carpenter, even though he's, you know, had years where he was a fantastic fantasy asset. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, really up until last year, like you go look at a StatCast page, and it's all red for like virtually every season except for last year. Just everything just tailed off. Uh, so it's it's interesting that you, you almost wonder if like there was some health stuff that maybe we don't know uh, you know as much as we should about um, kind of hampering him because there's no reason he should have fallen off the way he did. Like, hey. It's such a steep decline. We were right. It yeah, took, we were it just, took a, just a year and a half early. Uh, yeah, uh, that's one of those we'll never live down. It's I just, know, you know nor I mean, should we, but that's all no. right. Like, I mean, you look at like kind of his, you know, contact percentages and his swing percentages, and nothing like is egregiously bad. I know it, it's it's like, it it's kind of weird with Carter. I can't make heads or tails. Had to just be. I mean just hurt and yeah. it was affecting him in, in different ways I, I i don't know I'm, I'm with you that it's kind of a mystery but you know now he's going to be 34 i don't i don't really know what to do with carpenter he dropped 100 points off of his iso though so something was up despite the fact that you look across the profile and you can't find a ton of massive di- i mean exit velo did drop a decent bit, two two plus miles an hour, I guess, higher than I had. Yeah, why? Oh, that, like, yeah, that that's my. It's not so. Much, I mean, you can obviously point to certain things and go, oh, you know, exit velocity drop. He had a barrel percentage drop, but like he was making contact and making hard contact. Uh, like I don't understand why exactly uh, he. You know, I mean, uh, well, you know, in in a recent mining the news from Jeff Zimmerman, um, you know, that Carpenter was dealing uh, with some back issues and stuff like that uh, since 2017. But it's not a structural issue. It's been just an inflammation issue. So let's see what he looks like in terms in in spring training. If he's looking healthy, I might buy it back in. Uh, I'll probably wait, though for my March drafts to do so. Sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, at pick 360, you can't mm-hmm. you can't really go too wrong with Matt Carpenter. Um, Kyle Seeger was a guy dealing with injury and had a resurgence last year once he returned. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was pretty good. You know, he only played 106 games uh, because he, he missed that time at the front end of the season. But he closed strong, and, and he looked pretty, pretty darn good while doing it, you know, it was actually a little bit of a slow start, but once he kicked it into high gear, he was batting sub 200 as of, let's see, what was it? Uh, 50 games into a season. But then 
it started to turn around, and then his final 57, 280-367, 573 with 16 homers for Kyle Seager. This used to be the prototypical glue guy. Um, but it was almost a locked in 650 plate appearances. So he was an expensive glue guy, but you weren't really planning for much more than kind of your, your mid to high twenties homers, your 260 to 275 batting average range, and then runs and RBIs that, uh, neither were going to hit a hundred, but 70 to 80 runs, 80 to 90 ribbies, depending on, on the team. But you could kind of lock him in for that. You could almost ink him in for that six years fell off in 18 got hurt coming into 19 but he looked like the old Seeger at the end of last year is he somebody that you take a chance in just uh bank that playing time because as long as he's upright he's playing every single day for Seattle in the middle of their lineup even though it's yeah and he's not going to be traded so you can't trade that contract because I'm pretty sure he's got a clause in the contract that says if he is traded his 2022 option is automatically picked up. Uh, Ooh, okay. So that would be so he's making 19 and a half this year, 18 and a half next year, and then that would be an automatic 15. Mm-hmm. And like, no team's gonna do that. You're not trying to take that for 32, 33, 34. He'd have to be, yeah. he'd have to be peak Seager, and even even then, then it's not worth it. Not not with what we've seen in this offensive explosion. So yeah. He's going to be playing on that team throughout the rest of his contract. Uh, And like you said, hitting in the middle of that lineup. Uh, That lineup will hopefully get better at some point. It it could improve as the season goes along Mm -hmm. because... They're going to bring up minor leaguers. Yeah, Kelnick. We'll see what Evan White can do this year. I don't think we're getting any Julio Rodriguez this year. No, uh, I don't even know if we get Kelnick, honestly. It's... Like, I, I think there's the a point of shot for Kelnick. What's the point of starting that clock though? It's just like the, this is not a team that's built to compete at all. Uh, yeah, but it, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how much. It depends how he's doing. By the way, speaking of starting that clock, the uh, Chris Bryant thing was finally resolved, and of course he lost, which we pretty as much I predicted. Hit. We kind of knew he was going to. Like, still don't understand what took so long. Hopefully that that gets fixed in the. Uh, in the in the CBA that's coming up, it's funny because um, because of me and and who she follows, Jen's Twitter feed is inundated with baseball stuff. So she sends me pass and mm-hmm. tweet, and she's like, "What does this mean?" And I was like, "Okay, so first things first, MLB is stupid <laughs> because they actually encourage not playing your best guys." And I like I, I tried to explain the whole thing to her, and um, I'm hoping that maybe. While he didn't win the grievance, that it leads to something, um, that it leads to something of a change because it's still so stupid mm-hmm. that the league encourages not playing your best players. Because if Kelnick, I don't know if he's going to go back to triple or double A or go straight to triple A, but if he's beasting this year at age 20, he should be up. He's never yeah. been bad in the minors, yet they're incentivized to not, to not play him. I'm sure they'll send him to double A, so then they still have another step to take him off to triple A. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he could start the year at triple A, but I would be very surprised to see him before June. Uh, and that, yeah, even, I'm thinking even I'm that thinking June, is, July is the yeah, earliest. Yeah, even that feels like this is just not a team that's constructed uh, well enough to 
to bring him up yet. So uh, that being said, uh, I do like Seager, uh, and I like Shed Long for this year. So he's going to be Seager's going to be batting behind Malik Smith and Shed Long. Uh, I don't <laughs> like necessarily who's batting behind him. That being said, uh, I think he could drive in 80 runs, hit 25 home runs, uh, hit 250, and that's you know a very Corey Seager line or Kyle for, Seager line for for Kyle, yeah, yeah. Um, oh my God, I I don't even want to get into. It. I was going to talk about something that's going on, on Twitter with people who are afraid of advanced stats talking, and it's. It's hilarious. They're scary. Numbers are scary. Numbers are so scary. Nerds. Um, all right. So who else here? We mentioned we like all of them. I guess we won't talk about every single one, but but pick one more. Uh, Asdrubal Cabrera is one of those guys that continuously gets overlooked. Uh, like, he's going to play. So, uh, like, I, I, I don't understand the depth chart steamer projections for him that have him only playing – in 281 plate appearances, you know, who's this depth chart and steamers for Asdrubal Cabrera? Oh, for Cabrera, yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, they've I got feel him like playing he's... 65, 67 games. It's what that seems weird to me. Um, obviously, they're projecting him to be replaced by Kibum at some point. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's 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 played. In at least 500, or he's had at least 500 plate appearances every season since 2011. Like, he just finds a way to kind of get, uh, he just plays, man. Yeah, get playing time. He plays everywhere and he's super consistent. Like, I think he's, you know, a 15 home run guy, 15 to 20 home run guy, and uh, a 260 batting average. You kind of bank on it. Dude, he had 91 ribbies last year. Obviously, you're not planning Mm -hmm. for that again, but that's filthy he came back to washington and and dropped 40 ribbies in 38 games with them that was insane but yeah cabrera you know uh again we, we've been talking about it a lot in this section because that's what they are you know your prototypical glue guys nl only second and third injuries come up he'll find his way around the diamond i think he'll get i would say at least 400 plate appearances i am surprised mm-hmm. at this sub 300 from steamer so uh yeah i like i like as Drupal and um, I'll do it again. I'll, I'll bring up Mike Franco. <laughs> you talk about somebody I can't quit. God, I'm such an idiot. But he's going to KC. Uh, the playing time door is open once again, as it has been repeatedly for him. And and obviously, it should be even more open here on a team that's not contending. I mean, just play back all the clips I've said about him in past years. A power guy who doesn't strike out. There's intrigue there. <sighs> He's shown flashes before, et cetera, et cetera. I understand at age 27, now with 2,500 plate appearances, let's not go overboard with it, but you don't have to. The price is nothing. I'm still going to take some shots. He'll be on some reserve rosters for me without a doubt. Yeah. So, okay. Anyway, um, anybody else that you care about here? Your, your boy, Evan Longoria, Marwin Gonzalez. Marwin, he's going to have to go to Super Util because there's mm-hmm. not a playing time for him right now yeah I, I just don't see the path to playing time uh for for marwin obviously injuries can always pop up uh longoria i mean 250 and 20 home runs so i mean like 
for as late as he's going, I guess he's somewhat interesting in deeper formats. He's, you know, you know, for a guy who got tagged with an injury, uh, kind of, um, tag, I guess, uh, He's been played in. He's had at least 500 plate appearances in every season since 2013. Yeah. So I mean, even the last couple of years with the Giants, where he has missed time, he's still he's still gotten 500 plate appearances. So uh, he's gonna hit in the middle of the order. Like, it's so sad to me that you know that there's no Giants player going inside the top 250. It's pretty tough, dude. Pretty 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 tough. Sorry. I mean, I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who who of the team could finish top 250, do you believe? Samarja. Yeah, yeah. P- um, pitchers, mostly, right? I guess Dubon could. Well, Yastrzemski, I think, could. Just because he's going to be leading off, and he's got power. He's got a little bit of speed. He's going to play every day. Yeah. Like, there's, okay. there's no one. Like, like, if you ask me, like, Who's going to finish inside the top 100? No one. Who's going to finish inside the top 150? Probably no one. But again, but, the, the, the same guys, like, right? Yeah. Like, but like, the idea that not a single, like Buster Posey is the only person being drafted inside the top 300 just makes me sad. And the only reason he's being drafted that high is because NFBC's two catcher leagues. Yeah. That's true. You know, I mean, if we're talking about a one-catcher league uh, or even, you know, not like – or if we sort it by uh, – I'm going to sort by online championships. Like, I bet you he falls out. Oh, no, he's still inside the top 300. But uh, still, like, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's super depressing. It really is, dude. It really, really is. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up at third base. We've 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 really gone deep here. Unless you want to get in on Gyro Munoz, Dewell Lugo, the teamless Zach Cozart. You guys were so nonplussed by Cozart. You're like, let's play, we paid let's play him 12, twelve and a half million dollars to go for away. a prospect for Will Wilson and GTFO Zach Cozart. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered it here. You know, so I'm sure someone's going to be like, well, what about Ryan? He, you know, okay. It's the same as all these other guys. There might be some mm-hmm. uh, NL only interest, but uh, I don't think we need to go any deeper. We've done a good job here. We've got outfield on the horizon and that one's going to require two parts for sure. Mm-hmm. And they'll both probably be five hours. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. We're probably gonna have to do those in two parts as well. Yeah. Yeah. They guaranteed. Guaranteed. But anyway, that's going to wrap us up. I think uh, we've got a fireside coming up later this week. And and we have labor next week. Yes, we do. So we're going to have our our draft pods, our prep pod, Mm -hmm. and then the actual one during the draft that we record. Those are going to be fun. And, of course, they'll be released both after the draft. We can't give away everything that we're doing beforehand. Um, One in the – so the morning after, I'll release the one where we talk about what we're trying to do. Then you can compare it against what we actually did later that afternoon. So that'll be great. I'm really excited about that. We'll have to get together uh, on Monday to discuss that Mm -hmm. at length. But uh, otherwise, you better get to unpacking those boxes, buddy. I think I'm going to go take a nap. I've been up for about two straight days. Well, that sounds even better. Take care of yourself, and I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.